Hey everyone, welcome to Neuropod, a channel about all things related to the Elon Musk company, Neuralink. Here's the outline for this update episode. First, I'll share some highlights from three Neuralink employees who spoke at an event hosted by Everything ALS. Then, we'll share an update from Facebook Reality Labs. And next, if you're wondering who's going to replace Max Hodak, it looks like we may have found an answer. We'll talk about Marquise Brownlee's interview with Google and Alphabet CEO Sundar Pichai. Then, there's an open Neuralink job position that is not posted on the Neuralink website. And last, there's been a bunch of great progress in the brain-machine interface field, so we'll share the highlights of those recent announcements. Three Neuralink employees spoke at an event with Everything ALS, and one of those team members is Christine, who leads the insertion hardware team. She described one of the engineering challenges her team faces with an easy-to-understand metaphor. When referring to the placement of electrodes with the needle in the brain, she compared it to this. Quote, the brain, which is super soft, is covered by layers of meninges, which are much stiffer. Kind of like, imagine you had a jello brain, and then you had a bedsheet over it, and you're trying to stab a pen into the jello. And in a lot of cases, the pen might just dimple the bedsheet into the jello. But what we want to do is to penetrate the jello with minimum displacement and minimum damage. So this is some of the mechanical engineering problems we have to address. Unquote. This event was a little over an hour long, and they discussed more details of the first devices they're working on. They also shared technical discussion of inserting the electrodes into the brain that we just mentioned, and then measures they have in place to ensure patient safety, and a variety of other great topics. In this episode, I'll share the highlights, but the full episode should be available shortly on the Everything ALS YouTube page and I'll add the link to the description once it gets posted. Another team member that spoke at the event is Dr. Menon. When discussing the team's progress, he said, quote, The patients that we're aiming our first assistive device towards are folks that have an impairment in this cortical spinal tract. So from the point you make a decision to the point you do something, we can actually listen to the signals of the brain, which are happening all the time, and use those signals themselves to interact with the machines in our lives. And in the future, there's the input side we can work on too. But the story for today, and the part we'd like to communicate more details about, is really focusing on this story, for this first trial where we're trying to show this type of technology is safe and effective, is this device that we'll talk to you more about next." Unquote. And right after that, the device they go on to discuss is the Neuralink N1 device, which we saw showcased in the Neuralink Monkey Mindpong video. Dr. Menon is a clinical assistant professor of neurosurgery at Stanford, and he cares for patients with traumatic brain and spinal cord injuries. His credentials are a little too long to list here, which should instill confidence that the Neuralink team is comprised of fantastic people who are well-equipped to make this exciting future a reality. Next, we heard from Kate, who's been an engineer with Neuralink for four years. When discussing charging for the N1 implant, she said, quote, We're also designing hair clips, wheelchair mounts, and bed frame mounts, unquote. Therefore, the primary means of charging will likely remain a baseball cap. However, other charging options may also become available in the future. One of my favorite things she discussed relates to the longer-term implications of what Neuralink is working on. The Neuralink N1 implant will enable paralyzed and also fully able people 
gain full control of computers, smartphones, and other devices. She says, quote, This opens the door for a lot of other technologies, for a lot of other innovators to make accessible technology and solutions that can be controlled via brain-machine interface. So for example, to make a wheelchair that can be controlled by the brain, someone wouldn't have to build the brain-machine interface anymore. They would just have to build the app, and then that app could be controlled with the N1." Unquote. In my personal opinion, this further demonstrates the likelihood of future Neuralink-specific apps, or even an app store. She also went on to discuss ways that the team is constantly communicating and engaging with patients to better understand their needs. One example of this is that Neuralink has a consumer advisory board, and they've used that group to have discussion with folks who have paraplegia due to spinal cord injury. They've also used the group to hear feedback on charging hats and charging beanies. For those of you who are concerned that Neuralink may not be listening to patients or gathering enough feedback and information, I want to push back and say I have confidence they're going to do all they possibly can to make sure that these devices, equipment, and procedures meet and exceed any legal and ethical requirements. Furthermore, many members of the Neuralink team have personal motivation to make these devices as safe and effective as possible because they themselves have loved ones or no close friends who have been affected by life-altering diseases. They know how impactful the technology they're developing can be. ALS, which is also known as Lou Gehrig's disease, is a nervous system disease where nerve cells break down and reduce functionality in the muscles that they supply. Gradually, all voluntary muscles are affected, and unfortunately the disease is often fatal once the muscles used to breathe fail. I first heard of ALS in 2014, when the videos of people dumping ice buckets on themselves started to go viral. Donations for the disease skyrocketed that year, but there is still lots of real work needed to be done. I want to have a future where all neurological diseases like ALS don't exist. In the group that hosted this event, Everything ALS also wants to help anyone with ALS have a support system. They are a patient-focused, nonprofit, and on their website it says, quote, We believe the technology will be a key enabler for the innovation to end ALS. We are here to bridge the gap between patients, research, and technology. Our diverse team is composed of patient advocates, students, nurses, physicians, entrepreneurs, artificial intelligence engineers, biologists, ALS patients, and spiritual guidance from one person who has reversed ALS. We are here to help provide information to all of those affected by ALS, unquote. If you know anyone affected by ALS, this organization has resources available. Next, some news related to Facebook Reality Labs. The former vice president of virtual reality, Hugo Barra, posted an announcement on his profile on May 17th. It says, quote, some personal news. Today is my last day at Facebook Reality Labs, after four years working on projects that have been more exciting and more challenging than anything I've encountered in my career, with some of the brightest minds and kindest people I've ever had the pleasure to meet. Unquote. He then thanks Mark Zuckerberg and some others he's worked with before ending with this statement. Quote, so what's next? I've been thinking a lot about what's happened in the last year as the world navigates this pandemic. I believe society is still poorly equipped with the tools people need to really understand our health and gain control over our health outcomes. Inspired by this reflection 
and after working in tech for over 20 years, I've decided to try something completely different, to dive into the deep unknown for me and explore the healthcare technology space. I hope to be able to apply what I've learned from working in the consumer tech industry to help solve meaningful problems in the healthcare world. Looking forward to sharing more soon. As I look back and then forward, I'm feeling as optimistic as ever about Facebook's path ahead. Grateful for what I've learned from the incredible people I met in this journey, who are now all dear friends. Really going to miss you all. Heart emoji. Unquote. The timing here is pretty interesting, given that we learned Neuralink co-founder and former president Max Hodak was no longer with Neuralink about a month prior to this announcement. I'll share more thoughts about this in a live stream late next week, so make sure to hit the subscribe button to catch those more detailed thoughts. Next, we have a clip from a recent interview with Marquise Brownlee and Google CEO Sundar Pichai. The thing I always like about these things is even if you think of it as a feature to help the disabled community, it has wide applicability beyond that as well. You know, you could be in a meeting and you want to listen to a video and the captioning still works, right? And Or in a crowded place and so on. So I think all of this is much wider applicability too. Pichai is talking about different technology than brain-machine interfaces, but I believe the message holds true for any new technology, including for Neuralink. Right now, the team is focused on helping paralyzed patients gain full control of computers, but future applications will be wide-ranging. Other than working with Neuralink, I believe one of the best ways to accelerate these applications is to help build mobile apps that can connect to a Neuralink N1. And if you're interested in helping build those with Neuropod, please go to our jobs page in the description. In transitioning from hiring for Neuropod to hiring for Neuralink, it looks like the team is hiring a regulatory affairs expert. The description for this position says, quote, NTX services brings you an exclusive opportunity to work with Neuralink on the regulatory affairs team reporting directly to Dr. McDougall, head neurosurgeon. We are looking for an experienced regulatory affairs individual to write the IDE for Neuralink for around 15 hours per week. This position could transition into a full-time role as a clinical trials coordinator in two to three months, unquote. The IDE they're referring to is the Investigational Device Exemption with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This position aligns well with what we've been hearing before about the timeline for FDA approval for human trials being at the end of this year or early 2022. When looking at the FDA website for Investigational Device Exemption, there are numerous requirements and a very thorough review, as we might expect. This should further serve as proof that the Neuralink N1 implant will be safe. Lastly, there have been some great announcements in the greater BCI world recently. One was shared with me by a longtime Neuropod supporter, James. Thanks, James. The Nature article discusses the use of deep brain stimulation and use of functional MRI and machine learning. The first introductory paragraph states, quote, Deep brain stimulation, or DBS, has become a standard of care therapy for movement disorders, particularly Parkinson's disease, essential tremor, and dystonia and is being investigated in psychiatric and cognitive disorders, including major depressive disorder and Alzheimer's disease. DBS involves placing an electrode to deliver electrical stimulation within a dysfunctional neural circuit to suppress aberrant activity and or drive an underactive network. Despite its recognized benefits, 
the therapeutic mechanism of action of DBS remains incompletely understood, unquote. The publication goes on to describe how the use of fMRI data in conjunction with a machine learning algorithm can assist in delivering an optimal DBS stimulation with optimal DBS settings. This progress is great to see as it will help unlock better outcomes for patients that use deep brain stimulation. Next, we have another article from Nature titled High Performance Brain-to-Text Communication via Handwriting. In the last episode, I had a great opportunity to interview Dr. John Donahue, whose vision led to the creation of Cyberkinetics, and that company was basically the Neuralink before there was Neuralink. Their mission and goals were extremely similar, but much of the supplementary tech wasn't quite mature enough at the time. During that conversation, he mentioned some members of the BrainGate team. BrainGate, the research study, came back into academia, and Lee Hochberg is now leading that consortium, which includes uh, Krishna Shinoy and Jamie Henderson at Stanford, and Bob Kirsch and Balu Lajaboy at Case Western. And uh, those guys are, that, that's a, an effort today, a re, you know, the, the research, the IDE trial that's ongoing now um, is, is the, the sort of clinical work that's, that's been, you know, making breakthrough after breakthrough on what you could do with the brain-computer interface. These happen to be many of the same authors of this publication. This group was able to have a paralyzed participant achieve typing speeds of 90 characters per minute, or about 18 words per minute, which is comparable to typical smartphone typing speeds of individuals in the age group of the participant. At the moment, this typing speed may exceed those reported for any other BCI. For context though, we should keep in mind that Neuralink is aspiring to reach at least 40 words per minute. And that'll wrap it up for this episode. We're going to try something new and give $300 to a lucky subscriber. So make sure to subscribe before June 20th. Thanks for listening. Since you've made it this far, we greatly appreciate your support by liking, subscribing, and following us on all the major social platforms like Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you really enjoy our videos, We'd also greatly appreciate your support by clicking the join button down below the video or going to patreon.com slash neuropod. Thanks again and hope you join us again for the next episode. <music>